Hey there, podcast listener. Steven here from the podcast you're currently listening to. You ever heard a podcast and think, I can do that? Well, maybe you can, or maybe you can't, or maybe I can help you get started with it. Hosting is the most expensive cost you'll have in a podcast, and that's why Anchor by Spotify is the easiest way to make a podcast. Really, they have everything you need all in one place. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. With Anchor's hosting, you can distribute your podcast to other listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and a whole lot more. And if you think you can do a better job than I, record a podcast right now. There's very low risk involved. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor is free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Like you said about Captain Marvel, oh, so it's just a female Superman? <laughs> like, yeah, no, 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 no. I was doing, but I was doing that to be a dick. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder when. Ugh, not the novel. I wonder when um, the series came out. I think no, this chick was. Um, it was in like '99 or something because I think Jeff Johns created her after his dead, like his deceased daughter or something like that. He's a, he's going to be like the, Jeff Johns is going to be the showrunner on that too. Well, he created the character. Well, yeah, but just because you created the character, usually he helps start a show, but he usually doesn't run it. Like he's actually going to run the show. So right, that's gonna that that's that I thought was kind of interesting. Now, what you said that that makes total. Oh, sense. No, no, his um, was patterned after John's sister Courtney, mm. who died in in the explosion of the TWA Flight 800 in 1996. Okay. So that's probably why he's staying on the show. He's probably got a little bit more connection with the character. Yeah, probably wants to make sure it's handled correctly. But she's the uh, was originally the second Star Spangled Kid. Hmm. Um, oh, wasn't there one for the JLA? Yeah, or JSA? The characters, JSA. Yeah, so the character's been around for a while <sighs> in some form. Star Spangled Kid has anyway. Hmm. Um, Stars and Stripe. Yeah. <laughs> and she has a robot too, which makes her extra cool. Because <laughs> people are like, in that picture, it looks like there's like a big mech behind her. And I was telling my friends, I'm like, yeah, she controls a big mech. Did you and they go? Did, did you not know it was what? anime? Did you not know it was anime? <laughs> yeah. Did you not know Stargirl was a shit? <laughs> and they go, that doesn't even really make any sense. I said, well, it's DC. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A lot of times, shit told me it doesn't make any sense. You just kind of go with it, you know? <laughs> you just go with it because it's fun to watch. <laughs> um, I'm trying to find the... Uh, her fucking powers or whatever. I think she... Just, I honestly think she just controls that fucking robot with the with the staff that she holds, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I could be wrong, you it, know? <laughs> It'll be funny. The show is done up... Like, the show is done up like... Uh, 
the uh, anime Spider-Man from uh, Into the Spider-Verse. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it's all completely... All I'm anime down with action. it, too. <laughs> I can't wait till the second one of that comes out. Uh, yeah, I know, right? But it's good. But yeah, what, 2020, I think, is when they said that would come out? Swamp yeah. Thing is May 30th. Oh, no, Stargirl comes out this year. Mm-mm. Unless they pushed it back, because the... The thing always said it was coming out this year. Well, I I read from from what I read, it was 2020, um, and uh, Swamp Thing comes out in May after uh, Doom Patrol. They must they they, oh, they may have changed pushed. Yeah, it's a Stargirl has been pushed from late 2019 to early 2020 because it was supposed to come out right when Doom Patrol ended. No, no, no. Doom no. Patrol was going to end, then Swamp Thing, and then Stargirl was supposed to start in the middle of Swamp Thing. But I guess they moved it. It's probably better that they give. Yeah, show. it probably wasn't ready. You know, that's, yeah. that's fine. Well, no, I mean, it, it's probably for me, I'm looking at it as like, you know, DC may not want to overlap too much, mm-hmm. you know, because what happens is, is you, you overlap too much. Yeah, you get people that tune in, but then sometimes people can fall off a show or. Well, right now they kind of have like one show at a time. Yeah. On uh, the streaming service, which is fine, I think. Yeah. It allows people to invest in the show and, you know, and invest in the characters or whatever. But yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I told you about uh, me getting that update because I thought the first the audio issue was on my end because I was like, I literally just had an update. And then I sent you that picture of like two hours and then it's to we're ro- it's going to roll back, you know, unchange the settings. And I was like, oh, fucking hate that thing. It's like every time there's a major update, it does it, it goes through, and as it's doing the restart stuff, then it says, oh, we're going to roll it back. And I'm like, God damn it, just stop So this. wait a minute. It updated and then took the update away? Mm-hmm. Because it, okay. Because it does that when it runs into an error. And, it, oh. and then and it, it happens more than once on my desktop. I don't know what it is. But it always goes, it, it tries to do it like three times, and then by the third time, it finally goes through. But it always fucking does that. For those of you new to the show, Steve's desktop <laughs> does not like being updated. Yeah. Like it always wigs out. Yeah. Well, it's better than it used to. It used to get the fucking yeah. blue screen of death. So like I, I've I've had issues, but not not that bad. Well, your issues were man made, meaning you made them. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> I've been hearing things about speaking of updates, I'll add this in real quick. Um I don't even think what we're talking about is on the fucking show notes anyway, but um, the, the, they, there was a leak of the new um, Microsoft Edge oh, yeah, based yeah, yeah. off Chromium. They said it's the shit. It's, it's, it's like... It looks like, like Chrome. Like it is Chrome. <laughs> right, right. But they said that it's... Um, they haven't added some Microsoft-specific features to the build that leaked, but they said it's ready to go. Like it was super clear. Like... It basically, it runs like Chrome, right? As it, you know what I mean, as as, as, as it should, as, as should have run, like right. So I still can't figure this out. Like it's like, come on, you know how you you guys did fucking Internet Explorer, like how hard is it to do a a browser that competes with everybody else? Why is everything? Why did everything have to take so long? Why? Because I think I think to Microsoft, Internet Explorer was just like okay, well. Here's a web like it was just part of a bigger thing. It wasn't a big thing to them. And then you had people, like even Google, they were taking it more seriously. Like they were trying to like 
let's make the best thing ever. Like let's innovate and stuff. And, and Microsoft really wasn't doing that with Internet Explorer. And then when, um, excuse me, phone, say its name and it peeks up. Um, then, then, um, the one that cannot be named, right. Um, was took it a little bit more seriously, you know, and they, they wanted to change things up. So I don't know. Um, Firefox was always there fighting the good fight, even in Netscape Navigator days. <laughs> but uh, I think I think just the, the internet settled on, they were like, all right, fine, Chrome. But then there's always that problem that now you're basically have one web browser, essentially. Yeah. You know, they're just all the same thing. So it's, it kind of kills choice a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that because it's it the the I the console well the thing was is that Internet Explorer got bloated and bulky and glitchy as fuck. So then you had something that was Chrome that was constantly updated, that was constantly like, Oh yeah, we've actually improved this, we've improved this. Oh, we did add-ons, we did add ad blockers, we have all this stuff, all this memory, all this stuff to kind of do it, and then Microsoft was just kind of like, Yeah, well, Internet Explorer is in Windows, so what do we give a shit about? And, and then suddenly, you know, there suddenly it's like, Hey, you know what? Yeah. And then the joke that we always say is you only use internet Explorer to download another browser. And suddenly they started realizing, you know what guys, we are, you know, we are losing the the browser war because the OS is just the background. Now everybody does work on browsers. So, you know, if, you know, if we want to do, you know, we want to do this. Some people were saying as an April fool's joke and, um, on, uh, on uh, April Fool's, which is, well, today when this is released, everybody should Google search Bing and make Bing the most searched uh, Google <laughs> Google item of the day. <laughs> I was like, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> so You know what's funny is, is Bing isn't even that bad. No, but it's just, you know, I mean, when your product becomes a verb, you know, yeah. you, you know you've won. <laughs> And really, and that's the thing. And I was talking to people about, um, uh, what is this? Bye. I just went to Bing and it said, bye, bye, boring. Hello, beautiful. Transform your new tab with the Bing new tab extension. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> I was talking to someone about being like, oh, it's trash. I'm like, have you ever used it? And they go, no, like, it's not trash. It was just late. Yeah. It was late to the fucking party. That's, that's really <laughs> all it was. History of it Microsoft. History of Microsoft. It's the best place to find pictures. Oh, yeah. I agree. I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Bing is the best way to find pictures sort by size. It's like going, if you could just make this as a picture app, we're cool. <laughs> yeah. Right. Especially uh, when you're looking at pictures of uh, women for scientific research. Oh, of course. I mean, well, right. anytime you're looking up women, it's mostly for scientific research. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Welcome, everybody, to the Lazy Geeks. I'm Stephen Vargas. I'm Adam Riley. All right, so I have a couple of quick announcements this week. Some of you remember, may remember back in January, we placed the Extended Play Movie Podcast on an indefinite hiatus. Well, due to Patrick's hectic personal situation, we've decided to that it's been over two months and we decided to cancel the podcast for now. It's possible that we could resurrect this podcast at a later time or create a new show. We're kind of on the fence on what we would do when we do it. Uh, with a lot of things in limbo, it was just easier to let the show go and get back to it when when we can. And lastly, um, for 
those of you that have been listening to us for the past eight plus years know that we have done a few different shows. <laughs> Many of them are on my hard drive, but since we are no longer producing new episodes, it it didn't make sense to have them on podcast apps. However, right. however, in an effort to combine all our years of work into this new blog, because that's what I'm kind of doing. That's why I uploaded all the old stuff to the to the blog and seeing of just kind of putting all our work into into this spot. Um, I I'm working on a housing situation that allow me to store all our past shows online and link them to the site, meaning that you will be able to listen to all our past episodes through the blog. Some of our past shows include In the Ink, The Lazy Ring of Death, Just Another Podcast, The Away Team, and evenly the the recently canceled The Fine Line and Extended Play Movie Podcast. Well, nothing is finalized yet, but I will let you know when it's all up and ready to go. So as I was going through a lot, I'm like, holy shit, I forgot about these you know, our comic book podcast and, you know, that yeah. we did the movie review podcast. There were so many <laughs> over the years. Fortunately, there's not a lot of them because I think most of those we did like on a monthly basis with the exception of I yeah. think the away team. Yeah, there was a time when we were doing, I think it was like four shows a month, but they were like, we did the main one every week, but there was always a different one that we would do with it. Depending right. on the week. Yeah. Yeah, we had, yeah. Usually there was two episodes a week, but the second show alternated. Yeah. So, that dance card was full. <laughs> definitely. Be recording for three or four hours a night. Now we just do three or four hours on one show. So, you know. Right. <laughs> as, as we should. As we as should. We should. <laughs> it's called focus, people. Okay? <laughs> You're welcome. Exactly. Uh, so you got the script up? No. <laughs> well, <you> probably <laughs> not should. even a little bit. Not yes, I have it. <laughs> am I first? No, I am. I just was letting you know so you don't, so we don't go into this. Then like, kiss my ass. <laughs> All right, <laughs> I'm just playing. All right, let's dip into some uh, short takes. So earlier this week, Marvel Studios released over 30 posters featuring characters revealing who did and didn't feel so good. Now. In the single character posters, we saw characters like Tony Stark, Captain America, and Bruce Banner in full color posters, while characters like Peter Parker, Bucky Barnes, and Shuri were in grayscale, pretty much figuring they didn't survive the snap. While many of them were kind of, we kind of already knew, either from Infinity War or the Endgame trailer, there were a couple of surprises. Pepper Potts, Happy Hogan, and Valkyrie all were shown in full color posters. So does that mean we'll see them in the post-snap world? Have, um, they have to have been shown for a reason, but we'll find out how this all plays out on April 26th. So Yeah, they, they were showing all the poster images, and people were like, oh, yeah. Oh. And then they showed Shuri, and they were like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, everyone freaked out. Because <laughs> she's cool, you know? And you're just like, yeah. great, the cool character, you get, you, you know, get to kill. I was like, what the fuck? She's definitely, she was one of my favorite characters in that movie, too. Oh, she's yeah. so fucking funny. <laughs> um, so, moving right along. <laughs> Gearbox Software is bringing the original Borderlands, first released nearly a decade ago, to modern platforms. Borderlands Game of the Year edition, which I could have sworn there was a Borderlands Game of the Year edition already. Probably. The remastered release is coming to PlayStation 4, Windows PC, and Xbox One on April 3rd. Um, just a couple days, kids. 
Yeah. The package will include all of the Borderlands DLCs, uh, the zombie island of Dr. Ned, Mad Moxie's Underdome Riot, the secret arm- armory of General Knox, and Claptrap's new robot revolution. The game will be a visual remaster- remastered version with upgraded lighting, character models, and textures. PlayStation 4 Pro and Xbox One X versions of the game support 4K resolution and HDR lighting. And it should look pretty good anyway because of the, it was like a cel-shaded kind of game. Yeah, so it's going to... God, it's going to look like... It's going to look fucking tits, dude. Skate, 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 skate. Um, that. <laughs> In related news, Microsoft announced um, April's game of the with gold selection. And another Star Wars classic is coming to the system. Star Wars Battlefront 2, the 2005 Xbox shooter, um, you know, the better one from the now defunct Pandemic Studios and LucasArts, will be available free uh, via Xbox games with gold for the first half of the month. This is the second Star Wars title in as many months, the original Xbox 2005 Star Wars Republic Commando was a free title for the first half of March. Yeah, it's, it's kind of weird how they're releasing original Xbox games um, but I digs it. You know what I mean? <laughs> it, so it actually is kind of funny because I mean, later we're going to talk about it, but you know, with that, you're getting games from Xbox one, Xbox 360, and now the original Xbox. And when Sony, you're only just getting PS4 now. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> um, a new study shows how AT&T's 5G E proves that AT&T's current 4G LTE speeds can actually be slower than other carrier carriers who employ similar LTE advanced and advanced pro technologies. In a study by Open Signal, measured and compared download speeds from AT&T's 5G E network to the results from other carriers' 4G LTE services. Now, OpenSignal's data is based on on crowdsourced speed tests that can be performed by anyone using OpenSignal's app on an iPhone and Android, according to Ars Technica. Now, OpenSignal revealed the report is based on tests on 1,057,522 devices nationwide across all four carriers between January 28th and February 26th. Only certain phones are capable of AT&T's 5G e-speeds and, as expected, they are faster than the slower AT&T 4G offerings available on lower spec phones. But even at its fastest data speed, 28.8 megabits per second, AT&T's 5G e placed third out of the four carriers with Verizon coming in first, uh, T-Mobile in second, and Sprint in last. The worst part, OpenSignal notes, is that when the same LGE-compatible phones are used on different networks, there isn't a discernible difference in speed. It's almost as if there is nothing special at all about the 5GE. Now, of course, AT&T defended 5GE in a comment to Ars Technica saying that, quote, OpenSignal's note reveals their methodology is flawed and that speed data tests purported to show the real-world experience of 5GE evolution without verifying the compatible devices were tested in a 5G evolution coverage area, as shown by the indicator, does not accurately represent the 5G evolution user experience, end quote. The goal of OpenSignal's study is to quantify the real-world experience of 5GE and seeing the numbers drives home that AT&T's 5G network is just plain LTE. The problem with his their comment is saying that you know, 
they're admitting what they did. Earlier this year, I wrote that a lot of AT&T's upper-class phones were getting modified um, indicators. Instead of saying yeah. LTE, they were getting 5G, even though they didn't get 5G. They themselves in their thing saying, oh, well, just because the indicator shows, it doesn't mean they're actually getting that experience. It's like, then why put it there? Yeah. Doesn't make sense. Yeah. Sounds like you're trying to sell some snake oil. Right, exactly. Thanks, Obama. <laughs> right. It's all because of Trump's wall, right? <laughs> Saying it for years. No. Um, Facebook and Instagram are banning white nationalism and separate separatism. Mm-hmm. Never even heard that term. <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing it means like a form of segregation. Right. Like everyone should be separate. Keep them separated, lame. you know. Right. But not in a cool way, like right. the song. <laughs> Um, separatism material from its platform as of next week. It will prohibit praise, support, and representation of the ideologies, including specific phrases such as, I am proud, I am, don't isolate any of this. I'm reading this for the news. (laughs) Um, Phrases like, I am a proud white nationalist, and immigration is tearing this country apart. White separatism is the only answer. Uh, Motherboard reports, however... It may let you search, I am a white nationalist douchebag. <laughs> it should. Um, and that can be isolated. <laughs> that can be isolated. Facebook, um, Facebook made the decision Tuesday, and COO Cheryl Sandberg, Sandberg, just pay attention to that name, why this fucking shit, <laughs> she wasn't playing that shit, was among um, those who put together the policy. The social network will direct um, those who search for or post content related to these ideologies to a nonprofit called Life After Hate, which helps people leave hate groups and is a bit trolling uh, or is a bit trolling for the platform. I actually heard about that group before, like people who try to. It's almost like they get caught up in it and they want to leave like they've learned better. Yeah. And then that group helps them kind of assimilate with regular society and stop sipping the fucking Kool-Aid. Yeah. Um, we decided that the overlap between white nationalism, separatism and white supremacy is so extensive. We really can't make a meaningful distinction between them. Brian Fishman, Facebook's counterterrorism policy director told motherboard, but there's, but that's because the language and the rhetoric that is used and the ideology that is represent, that it represents overlaps to a degree that it is not a meaningful distinction. Basically he said in a very educated way, nationalism is white supremacy, (laughs) which (laughs) is what everyone else pretty much says anyway. And also, you know, and the, keep in mind that this guy's, this guy's title is counterterrorism, essentially saying that white, um, white supremacy and separatism is the equivalent of like ISIS or a terrorist organization. I mean, absolutely. I mean, maybe not as, as threatening, but they, they would very well be if they were in a country that allowed them to be. Yeah. But I digress. It, remain, <laughs> it remains to be seen how effective it will be in moderating white nationalism and separatism. They said that implied implied and encoded messaging related to the ideology won't be banned straight away to an extent because it's more difficult to monitor the site for such content, nor will Facebook prohibit more general material on separatism and nationalism outside of white separatism and nationalism, meaning new stuff or just definitions of stuff. And that shouldn't be banned anyway. That's just education. But where, where something I, that I don't get 
for people, and probably just people don't understand computers, but the, the logarithms can only go so far. So if you see something that you know should be there, report it. Yeah. And now you've, you've surpassed the logarithm. Now, now you've added it to that list and someone's going to review it and it's going to get taken off. You know, it's, it's, it's up to us too. If we're using the service to be like, Hey, this fucking, this shit don't fly right. And that's what always, that's what always gets me where you hear people saying that, you know, sites should do more about subverting that kind of stuff. But at the same time, it's like, we should be doing more stuff too. Like if you observe something that's, that's wrong, you know, just don't block it. Like, I don't want to see it anymore. No, report that shit. It's like, that's the kind of, that's how, that's how it works. That's how the algorithm starts realizing, oh, hey, this is what's going to start needing to be looked at. So it's like. And that doesn't mean fucking report shit you just don't agree with. Yeah. You know, but that's, like if you see, like if I, if I'm on Facebook and I see someone talking about how much they love Trump, I'm not going to report them. They're not doing anything wrong. Right. Well, that was, I mean, they're doing stuff wrong, yeah. but not, <laughs> not legally wrong. There was a, uh, when I was listening to a podcast called On the Media, they were talking about how, you know, the, uh, the fake news kind of got in, you know, got into people's feeds and, su- and surpassed the, the algorithm. And it, the, the, it's basically simple. It's the algorithm starts to look at stuff that there's a certain, there's a certain thing saying, okay, people accept this. So this is okay. People reject this. So this is okay. So this isn't okay. But what happens is, is that those people that push the fake news change the algorithm setting by objecting to the stuff that was approved and then accepting the stuff that really isn't approved, then the algorithm adjusts and says like, oh, okay, this is now not approved. This is approved. And that's how it gets around. It's because people right, because do you, it. You know who is never offended by anything? Computers. Yeah. They, they don't have, they don't have, the, an algorithm of computers advances, it doesn't have the ability to know something is going to offend us or something is morally wrong. Yeah. It doesn't have a fucking context for that. So you need to provide context and say, hey, Mr. Computer, hey, Skynet, right. this shit ain't working, you know, right. get the shit out of here. Or for Star Trek, hey, Control. Uh, <laughs> Start with that shit. Yeah. All right. So Sony is heavily invested in their PlayStation VR headset, and this week it broke a milestone and a sad one. It announced that it sold 4.2 million headsets. That is a far cry from the 94.2 million PS4 consoles sold. When you do the math, that's less than 5% of the, of the PS4 market owns a headset. Microsoft had better luck with their now defunct Xbox Connect, which sold 24 million units to the Xbox 360. Mathematically, nearly a third of the 360's owners had one. And in related news, since Sony discovered continued giving out games for the PlayStation 3 and the PlayStation Vita, PS Plus members are only receiving two free games a month, down from the six games that they used to receive or four games from Xbox Live members get monthly. This month, The Surge and Conan Exiles are the titles. In March, it was The Witness and Call of Duty Modern Warfare. And it really just things you're really looking you're like mm, well maybe my money's better spent getting xbox live getting games with gold at least i get four games as right. opposed to just the two from you know P- playstation plus which was cool before because i dug it before because it was playstation you got games for the playstation 4 the ps3 and the vita 
it was like shit. You know, it's like all these games, it was worth it. Now it's like, oh, just two and mediocre at best. Yeah, so now you're kind of like, whatever. Yeah. But, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> when you don't give a fuck anymore. <laughs> <laughs> now, if you're a Twitch Prime customer and just got a Nintendo Switch, you can get Nintendo Switch Online free for a year. Um, the streaming site is giving out the free service in a two-stage process. First, subscribers will be able to claim a free three-month membership. And after 60 days, they'll be able to come back to get the other nine months. Presumably to stop people from signing up for a single month, claiming the free year and bailing. The deal is open for to both new and existing Switch Online subscribers. Currently, our current users will get the extra months um, added to their existing plan. According to Twitch, Prime subscribers will have until um, September 28th to redeem the three-month subscription and until January 28th, 2020 to redeem the nine-month um, membership. Additionally, the streaming site warns that Nintendo Switch Online membership will automatically convert to a three-month membership for $7.99 uh, unless automatic renewal is turned off um, anytime with up to 48 hours before the end of the initial three-month membership. So basically, pay attention to your shit. Right. <laughs> um, so make sure to check your renewal settings after claiming your free service if you don't want to pay any extra. So it's pretty cool. I mean, a year of it's only 20 bucks. But free is a better price. Yeah, twenty bucks so, is twenty bucks. You know. Yeah. You know. So that, that's, that's always cool. Yeah. Um. They actually have. I'm on the. I'm on the site right now. They have some pretty. Twitch actually offers a pretty cool shit. Um. If you're a member. Uh. Like they have like, add-ons for some games that you get. And all that jazz. You know. It's like little things you can collect. World of Tanks. I didn't even know that was still the game. Oh God! Um, I forgot about that game. <laughs> yeah. So, definitely check that out. All right. So, I think it's that time uh, we jump into our watch list. So, this week's watch list is only two, epi- is only two shows this week because uh, Orville's on their three-week break. So, first yeah, one up. Or- Orville just gets all kinds of vacations. So, <laughs> uh, this, week's epi- this week, we start off with Star Trek Discovery, Perpetual Infinity, Episode 11. So... This week we um, picks up r- right after the moments where Michael discovers that her mom is the Red Angel, and they devise a new plan on how to prevent control from getting the AI. And also we find out what happened to Leland after he got stabbed in the eye by the ship last week. Um, yeah, that, that one freaked me out when I saw that. I was like, oh, <laughs> oh Jesus! Because <laughs> like, like, what's that necessary? <laughs> Anything with the eye, I don't like. Yeah, you know. Um, so it kicks, so it kicks up with, uh, Michael waking up in sick bay, kind of believing that what she saw was a dream, but we also get a, a flashback of the last day that she saw her mom, where she was right. watching the supernova. Her mom was there and her father, which we actually finally get to see her parents and, uh, the Klingons attacking and then, you know, her getting in the closet and, and then her being propelled like 900 years into the future. Um, so it was, it was kind of interesting with that. Um, so, uh, just what I want to do kind of a little bit is just kind of quickly kind of gloss over the plot and then just kind of talk about stuff that we liked or didn't like some theories or whatever. Um, so essentially what happens is, is that, uh, 
they they Michael's mother w- believes that uh, she manipulated the future to have the planetoid that had all this extensive knowledge in front of Discovery, hoping that they would get it and know what to do with it, uh, and believes that they have to destroy the memory from that planet. And Leland, who got stabbed in the eye, the captain of the of the Section Thirty One ship, is taken over by the by the uh, artificial intelligence, the one that basically killed uh, that um, pretended to be Spock that killed those three people at that's in at that hospital and the Vulcan ambassador and or the Vulcan admiral and all of them takes over Leland's body and then tries to keep tries to get all the information from there subverting discovery and trying to manipulate Philippa and Ash into working for him. But there is something that they realize is kind of off. Uh, discovery determines that, well, if they put all the information from the planet toid into the suit and jettison the suit into a kind of an infinity time stream, right. it'll get out of, it'll, it will, won't protect, um, be any harm. But of course, Leland screws that up. And it's like send it so far into the future that it won't cause any issue. Right. And Leland um, basically uh, subverts the, the transmission and gets about 56% of the data. And, um, and they break off the protection grid. So it sends the suit and Michael's mother into the time vortex. And we don't know what happens to them. And then... Discovery blows up the base that Leland was on, but Leland managed to bail out. Um, in the process, uh, Ash discovers that Leland is actually taken over by the entity and gets stabbed, but manages to get into an escape pod before Leland returns to the Section 31 ship and warps out and warns Discovery what was going on. So, um, yeah, and Leland's like a fucking Terminator now. <laughs> Yeah, I expect him to be like, I'll be back. Right. <laughs> Come with me if you want to live. <laughs> um, what did you think? I liked it. I thought it was interesting. It was different. I didn't really see it going that way. Um, we find out that the, the, um, the sphere data is actually bad. Like, it's not intrinsically bad, but it's bad just... Because this this AI is trying to gain sentience, um, or sentience or whatever. But it's like I don't know, man. It's it's kind of crazy, and it's one of those situations where they lose almost every episode. Like it, they're not really beating control, right? You know, control's just getting closer and closer and closer. Of course, we're also getting closer and closer to the end of the season. <laughs> so, but I'm starting to think. So the date is still on discovery. Right. They're going to have to, they're going to have to figure something out. They're going to have to blow up that fucking ship. <laughs> like, I'm serious. That's the only way they're going to be able to take care of it. Well, you know, and it was interesting too, how the, um, the spheres information realized what was going on and then started partitioning it, protecting itself from being destroyed. Yeah. Building firewalls and shit because, <laughs> and, and it almost like, if you haven't been paying attention, you, th- it, it almost thinks it's e- you think it was evil. Right. You know, but it's just, it's just trying to survive. Yeah. And that's, that data is kind of the most valuable, um, stuff in the universe at that point, 
You know what I mean? Because there's just so much fucking knowledge in it. Yeah. Um, but which makes it bad, you know. <laughs> so it's kind of like how you could take uh, you could take uranium and you could power a city, or you could build a bomb. Yeah. You know. So what I thought was interesting is that the the storyline that of uh, Michael's mother being. Uh, rubber band to the suit and the time vortex because she kept saying that every time she came out like she saw has seen Michael in like growing up like she was able to come to the future right. come back to the past but something always pulled her back to the future and there was something that I thought was always kind of interesting about that because it reminded me of an episode of DS9 called The Visitor when um, Cisco got caught in a in a time bubble and he would appear for a few minutes to uh, Jake, but then always kept getting pulled. And then he realizes that his dad couldn't come back to the future because he was linked to Jake. So Jake eventually had to commit suicide in order to break the rubber band and send Cisco back to the past. So it was kind of something that I was like, Oh, I kind of remember that episode. It was a good episode. Really good episode. If you haven't seen, yeah, I don't think, I don't think I've seen that one. They're on Netflix and, and, um, and if you have CBS all access, but check out it's season two or three, I think it's three. It's called The Visitor. Really, really good episode. A lot of feels in that. Um, and if you like the Candyman, Tony Todd plays older Jake. So really cool. Um, but uh, yeah, like it was, it was interesting on how, you know, you could see the change in Leland, how Leland had changed from when, and I kind of, I like the fact that Leland had like, Leland stood up to the, uh, you know, to it as much as he could before yeah. the, the the AI took over. Um, but you even noticed that, like, you know, Ash and Philippa were kind of like, something's off. And then when he said it's, it's going to cloud the larger mission, and then she was like, well, that's an interesting turn of phrase. Like, you know, and then when Michael's mother said the same thing, it connect, it clicked for Philippa. Right. Um, and then her fight scene with, uh, with Leland. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> I was like, I was like, you know, my brother's over there getting pissed off because they're talking because Michael and her mom are having this heartfelt moment while Philip is getting her ass handed to her by fucking Leland. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, like control, control essentially implanted itself in Leland through nanites. Yeah. And um, so they're like they're shooting him, but it's like rebuilding it too fast. Like He's almost invincible. Yeah, because you saw them, you saw all of them taking shots at him. It's just he's not even reacting to the shots at this point. You know, right. he's just like. Um, continuing to to go to do that, so it was really interesting to see how that stuff kind of worked out. Um, I I liked we discovered Fo- Spock had dyslexia or has dyslexia. Wait, Did they say that earlier though? I don't remember if they ever. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure they did when they were looking at his um his mom said it or something like that because mm. I knew it. I don't remember. I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember. I don't, rem- how I knew I don't it. remember. I don't remember. But they may have. I just was caught up in everything else. Yeah. But, um, I liked in the beginning when um, when Michael came to and Spock came into the uh, into sick bay and goes, "Ah, oh, you're awake earlier than expected," and you know, and then he makes a what did he say? He made that little snide comment about, "And naturally, you're going to work faster than ever." You know, then you know you're said something about her just being kind of pushy and then you see like pike and everybody kind of smirk like damn he just takes jabs at her um but then- oh yeah real quick i looked it up this is bugging me we found out um on that episode when 
you found out Spock was hiding in that cave. The mother was hiding him. Oh, but there was a lot going on in that fucking episode. So I don't, I don't fault nobody for (laughs) (laughs) for missing that. Yeah. But I remember it now. She basically said she had to hide that he was dyslexic because that's a human problem. Right. It's not a Vulcan problem. So it would have just further alienated him from uh, the society. Um, so, yeah, I mean, um, and then also that little science rally they had in engineering about coming up with the plan to send it to the future. And then Spock says he loves science. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he looked like a little kid. I know. I, love science. <laughs> I know he did have that little nerdy like kid. Like, I love science. <laughs> like what? I love science. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She was funny. <laughs> um, I really like uh, Ethan, Phillip, Ethan, who's playing uh, Spock. I think he kind of, he captures the essence of Spock. Yeah, he does. But that younger... And he doesn't sound like, he doesn't sound like he's just mimicking um, Leonard Nimoy too. Right. Which I, which I appreciate. Yeah. You know. And that, that's the one thing, I, him and Zachary Quinto, when they both did Spock, it didn't sound like they were mimicking him. Right. They were just kind of, you know, which also, one thing about Chris Pine in the, in the reboots, he wasn't mimicking Shatner, which is always those things you kind of expect you know, when you yeah, see, he was mimicking Kirk. Yeah, he was. Yeah, you know, he's, it, he's doing the character. It's just, I'm not going to talk. You go right ahead. No, what were you going to say? <laughs> <laughs> we kept stepping on each other. <laughs> um, no, just basically what you were saying. Like, uh, it, it's we've seen actors do that in the past. I can't really think of anything off the top of my head, but where they just they're mimicking the actor. Yeah, and it ends up looking like a caricature of something. Right, and um. But I like the fact that he's playing, he's really kind of tapping into that, that Spock we, we kind of got a glimpse of in the cage, but he's not as refined as he is as we see in like when he's with Kirk. So yeah. there, there's still a little bit of that kind of um, uh, discovery to not meaning, not, no pun intended actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so we, we have that and, and he seems to really kind of uh, get into and we see the relationship between him and uh, and Michael change which begs a different question is that in did my Michael die when she was a kid you know it kind of makes you wonder because you know because of the times that she showed up was to save Michael yeah like is Michael even really supposed to be there yeah it's kind of like like is that the first Kelvin thing like you know like if she didn't if she didn't if she died when she was a child, would we not have had the Klingon war? You know, it's kind of, right. kind of like that thing. Like, no, I think, and that, that's something that, um, when I think it was Spock that told her, like you started the, the war, that war was going to happen anyway. Like you could tell that shit was going down anyway. Right. Michael just kind of <laughs> heard it along, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like let's, let's, let's hurry it up. Yeah. But, um, yeah, because they already hated humans. Yeah, we, anyway. we only got two episodes. Let's make this go. <laughs> we don't even, and that's funny too, that this whole season, we really don't know what's going on with the Klingons right now. Yeah. Well, we're going to find out, I guess, next week. Yeah. Because you know, the, the next marker is over. I'm assuming it's the place where Ash left his kid. Yeah, because it showed the baby. Yeah. But then th- that also begs the question, how are they going to Klingon space? Because keep in mind, there's a ceasefire, <laughs> but they're not allies. Right. You know what I mean? And even when they were allies in Next Generation, you couldn't just fly into their space and do whatever the fuck you wanted. Yeah, exactly. 
they'd ask a question or two. Like, <laughs> um, can, can I fucking help you? Usually with a usually with a phaser blast, but you know, right? Although I I was like I was I'm sure we've seen it before, but I was still kind of like, wow, they still fire torpedoes from the nacelles. Like when Discovery blew up the station on the planet. Oh yeah, yeah, they were firing. Tur- I was like, isn't that like a safety concern? <laughs> like you know, yeah, I mean, let's put our explosives <laughs> next to the fucking warp the cells, right? You know, because like, <laughs> like why not? There better be a lot of protection between them. That's all I'm saying. Uh, it's the future, Steve. <laughs> the future's now, right? That's right. <laughs> oh man. All right. So, anything else you want to add to this one? No, it was it was a good episode. Yeah. Um, but it, it, to me, this is one of those episodes that's just that's connecting two things together it's right. not a it's a transition th- episode right it's not it's not a, a big reveal right like there was in the last episode you know yeah. so still a great episode though yeah because i feel that this is getting us it's getting us toward the last few episodes because i think there's like yeah three it's more giving us information left. that will prepare us for something else Yeah, i think there's like three more episodes left or something like that so yeah i think so all right so next speaking of which a transition episode uh, right, <laughs> Doom Patrol. Uh, so this episode was kind of cool because up, it's like hold a, up, hold up, don't, 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 don't. Oh, sorry. Therapy Patrol episode seven. We're at the halfway mark. Is where we are with this series. So now you can go. Oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> I was gonna say <laughs> that um, this episode is interesting because it's like a bottle episode, but they actually used it to do a lot of character development. So it wasn't a wasted episode. Right. But it was weird. <laughs> a little bit. Where Jane turns yeah. out to be the same one in the group. I mean, not really. <laughs> but Jane Jane is less crazy and more a bitch I know. half of the fucking time. Oh, I know. I did like the fact that we she was going between Jane and Hammerhead. Yeah, she's arguing with herself. Yeah, that that whole scene. I'll get to that in a minute. Um but basically, the plot of this episode is essentially, well, like the title, it's the group goes to therapy. They realize that uh, Mr. Nobody is, has fucked with them enough that, particularly Rita, she realizes that that uh, Mr. Nobody fucked with them enough that they could turn into the original Doom Patrol. and right. and, and that they need to actually start to kind of figure shit out. So... <laughs> fucking cliff uh robot man just decides fucking therapy group therapy but what i like is the the what is it like the first half of the episode involves larry rita jane cyborg and cliff but it's all the same what 30 minutes of the morning and like a lot of shit goes on at that point in time in that 30 minutes uh and we're getting a lot of for the yeah, like a lot of childhood uh, memories that come back for for everyone. We see Rita how she met her movie star, and then there, uh, a famous movie star was kind of a bitch, and then uh-huh. and then she's like, you know, what's your name? And she's like, your your mom's like your stage name, sweetheart. And we get Larry who who is a kid, and then we hear that you know, in the house, his mom and father are yelling because he got caught playing doctor with another boy. Um, and then you have Jane where that was just creepy. Like her as a baby crying and her dad just kind of walking and staring at her and then leaving. 
You're kind of like, yeah. yeah, that was just a little weird. I just not giving a fuck. Yeah. Cyborg, you know, kind of being afraid of his dad after he, you know, sp- pull, um, dislocates his shoulder. And then Cliff, you know, essentially seeing his dad give the same speech to his mom that he gave to his wife, you know, before the accident. So for a different reason, right. For a different reason, but it was the same speech, you know, saying the same thing. I think it's also interesting too, because the name of this is therapy patrol and they all have fucking parent issues. Right. When they were kids. And then of course we have Admiral Whiskers, uh, which which that was (laughs) okay. (laughs) That was the weird one. Um, but makes more sense when you realize Mr. Nobody's involved. Yeah. Particularly when Um, you get Mr. Nobody coming in at the end, talking to Mr. Admiral Whiskers. Um, yeah. I do like that flashback though. Six episodes earlier. <laughs> right. Instead of giving you a timeline, you know. Um, so what did you, what did you think about this? I liked it. Um, it. I mean, the thing is, is like the show is definitely, or that episode was definitely just a filler episode. It wasn't, there was character development in it. Yes. But the plot didn't progress. Right. Um, but, it was well acted and well written and it was interesting, you know, so you can't really fault it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, it was cool um, because of the fact that it, it, oh, excuse me. Um, it pulled, f- it was kind of almost like the second part of last week's episode. Like it kind of de- gave you the aftermath, you know, yeah. particularly with Jane because, you know, or Hammerhead basically because Hammerhead really hated, um, uh, Niles for basically abandoning the the last Doom Patrol because like right. when she painted and she put bastard on his painting, mm-hmm. you know and but there's that different distinction between Hammerhead and Jane and that whole scene where Hammerhead started destroying all the tapes and Jane kept popping in saying no 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 and then Hammerhead would come and just crash crush everything and start going. it was like that was really like. Pretty powerful. I think the saddest line in that whole episode was when um, Robot Man said all he wanted to do was cry. Oh, yeah. And he can't. Yeah. You know, and then you start thinking like, it, it almost for me, I, I realized like, damn, yeah, he can't really physically release his emotions. Yeah. Other than yelling, right. which is probably why he yells all the fucking time. <laughs> yeah, I know. And just all the stuff where she's like, where Jane comes and goes, what are you doing? I'm eating toast. Can I fucking eat toast? I'm trying to remember how to eat. And you're like, hey, what's going on with this guy? Like he's, yeah. he's losing it. Uh, that whole psychotic episode that he had where he saw his old friend who, who essentially is the, is his daughter's dad. Cause she said on her face whole page that, you know, me and dad and, he thinks he's in his dad's house or in uh, his friend's house beating the shit out of him, but it's actually, he's fighting with Cyborg in the mansion. Yeah, because the, the friend or whatever in the in the illusion shoots him with a shotgun, mm-hmm. but that shotgun hit because yeah. it was actually um, Cyborg. Cyborg's arm cannon. It was really fucking crazy. Yeah. Like, yeah like, I, it was crazy how it was all working out. Yeah, and then, you know, how his brain just started seeing all, seeing uh, Claire, his daughter, in the body of Jane, and and all of this. So he was having a total psychotic episode. 
then even Cyborg said it at one time in the episode, it's like he was having a stroke. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I think everyone just sees him as a robot. So they're not really thinking, <laughs> they're not really thinking about something like that. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's interesting because, and then we have Larry who was, I guess, communicating with the, with the, um, uh, the energy source inside through his dream where he wakes up and he's with uh, his lover in the truck, you know, which we kind of saw like early on, like in the third, second or third episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is yelling at the end. He's saying, this is what you want. You can't even make this right. Blah, blah, blah. And, um, and he's saying the truck's really the wrong just color. coming down to the point of where the entity wanted him to just kind of be in the moment, understand it. And that he, you know, that, what was it that, uh, you know, express, express what he wanted, you know, that yeah, because why he, he did things and just kind of, the entity was kind of because, talking. you know, uh, Larry's always tortured himself over that because yeah. he fought for nothing. He tried to keep everything status quo and, and compartmentalized, but nothing ever really worked out. And he, because he was just too afraid. So there was a lot of guilt, which was hurting him, but was also hurting the entity that's inside him. Because if you remember early on, um, the entity said it was torture being inside him. So that whole story aspect was was pretty good. I love the fact that he said, he goes, I hate wearing bandages. It makes, uh, what he said, it makes, uh, it really hides nuance. When he was saying he was making a joke. Yeah, because he was trying to tell knew. a joke. Yeah, nobody could um, figure it out. But yeah, cyborg. That was kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. I'm still pissed off. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, cyborg. What the fuck happened? To that moron. Oh, the whole um, where he was basically on Tinder. Yeah, he was on Tinder, and and then the uh, the fact that he goes. I want to know you a little bit better. And then the computer goes and starts hacking into all these systems. Yeah. And, and it's kind of cool. Cause I guess his computer has all the parental locks off. So it's giving him full access to everything. And he's kind of getting used to that. Oh man. I love the fact that, what was it? Um, oh, when the one was saying, say booyah, come on, just say it. It's like, I don't say booyah that much. And it's like, that he asked the computer how long he says it. It's like, you said it 31 times well above the threshold for a catchphrase. <laughs> 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 Which was cool because that is his catchphrase. Uh, right. <laughs> um, so, I guess, you know, and the, we also, it, basically what we, what we find out from Larry, Rita, and Cyborg is that a lot of the stuff that Mr. Nobody showed them is really still fucking with them. Yeah. And then that brings us to Admiral Whiskers, who... Oh, yeah. (laughs) The fucking... Is this baby rat and mom rat, and the mom rat's like, yeah, you can cross the street. You just got to find a chance to go. And then she gets ran over by the truck that Doom Patrol's leaving it. Yeah, it's it's a throwback, and it says six episodes earlier, which is from the first episode when they went into town. (laughs) Right. So... You know, and Mr. Nobody starts talking to the rat 
And he's like, don't you want vengeance? And the bear's like, I don't want vengeance. He's like, oh, come on. <laughs> and starts telling, you know, training the rat. And then six episodes later, um, goes after uh, Cliff and exact revenge. And basically right. kind of did a Princess Bride, you know, I'm Admiral Whiskers. And, you know, you killed my mother. I'm about to exact my revenge or whatever. It was a, it was a play on that whole, you know, you killed my father, prepare yeah. to die. So he climbs inside Cliff and then the episode kind of ends. But at the point, just before that, and he's having this whole psychotic episode where he sees Jane leaving, who he sees Claire leaving, and then everybody inside is like the Claire's, you know, I guess, you know, new dad. And he just has a full-on episode where he just kind of like collapses and they, they push him down, but then he just kind of like passes out, I guess. Yeah. So... Uh, yeah, we don't even know if he's okay or not. Yeah. Wow, you're coming in real clear now. That's right. Yes, you. Guess you got that mic in that mouth now, huh? <laughs> maybe, maybe the fucking computer realized I was getting pissed off. <laughs> like, let me let me take a break and just explain to everybody. I don't understand <laughs> why every time we try to record a podcast, it's either on Steve's end or it's on my end. There's always a fucking issue. Like we've been doing this for eight <laughs> years. <laughs> And there's always the computer just doesn't want to work. And it's so fucking annoying. <laughs> it usually revolves around Windows updates. Usually. usually. It doesn't today. Yeah. But uh, whatever. So, so yeah. So, that's that's the episode for for this week. So, it basically because this is the midpoint of the season, you know, we're going to... I think this is something where they needed to kind of come around and realize that, you know... Because they need to basically come together. And I think this is where it's setting them up to, okay, fuck Mr. Nobody. We're going to find Niles and, and square this shit away. Right. So, um, but yeah, like like Discovery, it, it wasn't, like we got a lot of characters, but we didn't get anything as far as plot. And they've really kind of moved up really slow as far as them getting to look for Niles and figure out where the hell they're going. So, Well, they seem to always be getting interrupted. Yeah. Like today or this episode, it all starts with Cyborg knocking on everybody's door, going team meeting. We're going to find Niles. Right. And then a bunch of other shit happens. Like nobody is so, no one is focused. It's almost to a, a level of annoyance. It kind of, honestly. Yeah, it kind of is. Like if you guys could get out of your own fucking head for a minute and, <laughs> and actually do what you're supposed to be doing, that would be great. Yeah. <laughs> you know, don't, don't make me call the X-Men because you know, <laughs> right. Oh, Jesus. But good anyway. Anyway, Yeah. I, it, it's still, it is a good show. And, you know, you know, like we see with every, a lot of shows, you know, not every episode is perfect. So right. what are we going to do? This one was fun Ooh. to watch, but it, it, it made very little sense. <laughs> it was just yeah. kind of a mess. Yeah. Usually when I, when I message Adam about the shows, he's always like, oh, dude, this one was awesome. Or yeah, this one was crazy. This one was like, yeah, I liked it. Yeah. Like, and that, that pretty much <laughs> so, was me too. I liked it. I liked the episode, but I could have done without it. It, it kind of <laughs> reminded me of the episode from the first season of Discovery where they're on the planet um, and they have to destroy the pillars or something. And oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay. I mean, it was all right, but, you know, whatever. 
Uh, all right. And with those out of the way, I guess it's time we jump into our headlines. So, for some reason, DC fans are fickled bunch, uh, particularly about Zack Snyder. After his disastrous turn in Man of Steel and BVS, they still want to see the Snyder Cut of Justice League. There is some illusion that the film would be amazing compared to Joss Whedon's cinematic equivalent of pissing on DC lore. Before we get into that, though, fans complained about Batman killing in BVS. Fans reacted as if he literally wiped his ass with pages of the Bible. Now, Zack Snyder explained his rationale behind it. Quote, Someone says to me, Batman killed a guy. I'm like, fuck, really? Wake the fuck up, Snyder explained. I guess what I'm saying, I guess that's what I'm saying. Once you've lost your virginity to this fucking movie, and then you come and say to me something about, like, my superhero wouldn't do that, I'm like, are you serious? I'm like, down the fucking road on that. He continued... It's a cool point of view to be like, my heroes are innocent. My heroes didn't fucking lie to America. My heroes didn't embezzle money from their corporations. My heroes didn't fucking commit any atrocities. That's cool, but I'm living in, but you're living in a fucking dream world. Now, while he may be right, he does realize that Batman is a fictional character, doesn't he? Yeah. Uh, As far as the Snyder cut is concerned, he never filmed the initial version. Now remember, Justice League was supposed to be the first in a two-part movie, but after VV- BVS kind of blew that out of the water, he developed a script that we saw on screen. Now, Snyder alluded to the fact that he has a cut of the movie which is over three hours long. Of course he does. There is always a cut of a film before you commence reshoots. This is something that anyone with a minute of film school or an hour of a film commentary would know. There is no different movie that the internet sites claim it's a three-hour cut then there are reshoots which are scheduled in advance not to mention most films have a three-hour cut the avengers captain america civil war were revealed to have a three-hour cut before they finalized the film so before you go into reshoots a film is not a, a lock and i've been you know it's he says like you know because Everybody now has been all this thing about, oh, he says it's a Snyder cut. It's like, no, he didn't. He says he has a different cut of the movie. Yeah, he does. He has a darker tone, which we all kind of knew about. Then Whedon went in, and I'm sure because Warner Brothers said, we need to lighten it up a little bit. Because if you look at the trailers that came out before, it's a different cut of the movie. So, of course, he has a Uh three-hour cut. He has, you know, I think BVS was like, what, three and a half hours, he said at one point? And then it got cut down to two hours, two and a half hours, which was still really, really long. And it was a, I posted something on Twitter about movie sites that are complaining that Avengers Endgame is going to be three hours long. They're like, oh, your butts are going to hurt. It's not going to take it. I'm like, shut the fuck up. It's like, you know, BVS was what, two and a half hours long. And that was way too long for that movie. The original, the theatrical release, because a bad movie is feels long no matter how long it is you know a avengers endgame is going to go by really quickly because if it's concise if it's cut well you're not even going to notice or as i said in the tweet <laughs> it's going to go by in a snap um, well i'm a little on uh, a different school thought like i'll still enjoy the time but if a movie is really long i do notice like i'm like okay like i'm having a good time but 
my knees hurt. Like, <laughs> can we wrap this the fuck up, please? Yeah, but um, I think the first time I felt that way was Gladiator, which I love. I've seen Gladiator like 20 times. And Gladiator isn't even that long by today's standards. But back then it was like it was a pretty long fucking movie. And I'm watching it. And I'm really digging it. And I'm like, fuck. And I had to get up. Like, I was like, I can't do this. That's just me. You know, I just I, I don't like sitting for that long. Yeah, but when you have but, when you have like the last uh, Infinity War and you have Captain America Civil War, those were two and a half hours long. And so it's like it's not really that much longer. No, it's not that much longer. All movies are just longer now, anyway. And it's it's as long as it can keep keep the pacing and it can keep you excited throughout the whole time, you should be fine. Yeah. I think there was a moment in uh, um, Captain Marvel, and I love that movie, but there was a mo- moment where it kind of lulled. Yeah, and I was just like, "Oh, this is we've been here for a while, haven't <laughs> we?" Like for just a second. Well, I know, f- and that just shows how how fickle people are. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, if you look at like uh, Star Wars: The Phantom Menace, when you get to the pod racing scene in the middle of the movie, you're just kind of like, "Oh, I know." Yeah, you're you, like, let's, "Let's go, let's move already." Or uh, in Attack of the Clones, anytime it was Padme and Anakin, it was just like, "Oh, you know," <laughs> it's like we can kind of hurry this up a little bit, but uh, but yeah, you know, and. It's just funny on, you know, with all this stuff that I was hearing, because, you know, and to me, to be honest, it just seems like it was just, it's Zack Snyder trolling these sites, you know, and then this whole thing about, you know, Batman killing. Well, I think Zack Snyder's probably a little upset because people keep talking shit about him and his movie making abilities. I mean, if I was him, I'd be getting upset. Yeah. Well, every movie he puts out is not great. Yeah. Like what, what, what movie did he do that was great? Well, like universally great. <laughs> uh, yeah. See there, there we run into a problem. Cause, right. cause I was going to say, you know, like I, of, of his work that I've seen of his, my personal favorite is Watchmen. Yeah. I love Watchmen. Yeah. I, but not everybody. Exactly. Did. Not everybody. That's the, that's the problem with Snyder's. There's always a large group of people that don't like his shit. Well, that's what, so it's, Oh, go ahead. No, it's just so he must be getting fucking a little pissed off after so many years of people telling him he's trash. Well, like for me, like people like I and I always use Watchmen as as a a fact when people go, well, you know, they should have just copied straight from the comic book. And I was like, really? What did you think of Watchmen? And then they're like, well, Watchmen kind of well, Watchmen kind of sucked. It was long. I was like, it was just like the comic like there yeah, was panel, frame there for were panel, frame most time. exactly panel for panel. That's Watchmen. Well, no, that's different. No, it's not. So don't sit there and tell me that they can just do it. It's like no, they can co- take a story which is compelling and then tweak it. You know, it's like come on, don't don't even give me that. But it's just like oh god, you, you know, and and a lot of new. I, I've been I've been following this. Um, what is it? Film clickbait, and they always retweet these stories that have these very alluring titles. And then he just, they post like, yeah, that's, this is what it's about. Like they go, how did, what did they say? How Dumbo got its name. And their retweet was watch a movie, come home, write a thousand words with no insight and no takeaways. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> I was like, Oh, okay. So, you know, and I, I, you know, like, um, uh, event, uh, Avengers infinity war is a visual spoiler. And their comment was, yeah, because it's the second part of a first of a two-parter. Like, you know, it's like, you know, and uh, another one was Wonder Woman 1984. Um, 
isn't a sequel. And they said, yeah, it is. They, they like, just because it doesn't continue off the first story makes it not a continuation, but it is a sequel. Uh-huh. You know, and so it's just like, uh, and it's just like, I said, it's kind of like Beverly Hills Cop 2 under that same logic would not be a sequel. Right. Yeah. Under that same logic. Yeah. Would not be a sequel. Under that because, logic, and that doesn't make any sense. Right. It's a, you know, and there was, um, oh God, who was it? It was, this is, and this is going back to, cause it uh, shows how old I am. Um, there's an old movie called Terms of Endearment. And then they did a follow-up like 10 years later or something like that. And they said, and somebody had asked Shirley MacLaine, they go, so this is a sequel. And she goes, no, 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 this is a continuation. This picks up from the story 10 years later. So you have to see the first one in order to know this one. Like Rocky and the sequels were continuations because they picked up right where they left off. It's really one big fucking story. The Karate Kid movies all picked up right from where they left off, you know. So it's like, yeah, those are continuations. Sequels, and she goes, to me, sequels are more um, a, re- a regurgitation of the same story, which is true, you know? So it's like, get, you know, people need to get over themselves. They need to actually own a dictionary. Or what, did, what, what, what was it that Archer always said? Read a book. <laughs> well, you can always find out a word if you look up its origin. So, <laughs> sequel comes from the word sequel from Old French. And you go even far, further back, is sequi is Latin for follow. So basically, to follow. Right. So, that's all sequel means. <laughs> it just means what follows. Exactly. You know. Because if it didn't, there wouldn't be a one, two, or three after it, you know? It's so stupid. People... People like to argue about dumb stuff. Like you, they have nothing better to do. Yeah, you know, or so, argue their know, po- right. argue their point, even though they're wrong. Right. <laughs> There's just so many arguments lately, and maybe either I'm getting older or people are getting dumber. But they'll and it's in Both. real life. They'll argue something with me, and eventually, I don't, I don't care. Yeah. Like you win. You're right. <laughs> Whatever the fuck you're saying, I, I still care. I do that all the time at work. Like I don't fucking care. It doesn't matter to me. But does it though? Suck a dick. <laughs> Suck a dick. Anyway. Anyways. Nintendo was working on two new versions of the Switch that could be released as soon as this summer, according to the report in the Wall Street Journal, which is usually pretty good yeah. uh, business-wise. Um, one of the models is said to be a cheaper variant, while the other device reportedly has enhanced features targeted at avid video gamers. Um the, the Wall Street Journal says the cheaper model will omit the vibration feature, uh, suggesting that it won't have detachable Joy-Con controllers at all. It's said to be seen as a successor to the 3DS. Um, Nikki reported... Nikki, <laughs> I think that's how you say it. Nikki, um, yeah. Reported earlier this year that Nintendo was planning to release a smaller Switch with a focus on portability. Release doesn't have any firm details on the higher end model, but one source implies there was uh, more to the revision than a simple performance boost. Even so, there's clear room for improvement in that regard. The Switch, the Switch uses NVIDIA's four-year-old Tegra X1 processor, and if NVIDIA uh, were to get back into mobile chip development for Nintendo, it could make gains in power and efficiency. 
What remains to be seen is if the two new versions of the Switch com- comes to pass. Uh, the reasoning, the reasoning for the two versions of the same device doesn't seem to make much sense. However, since Microsoft is reportedly going to have three versions of the Xbox One, you could say anything is possible. Yet Nintendo has never done such such a thing before. The Wall Street Journal says the new Switch hardware is likely to be announced at E3 in June. However, since Nintendo doesn't usually go to E3, it could come out in Nintendo Direct. I think it will come out in Direct. Yeah. Um, but the only thing is, is like with the with the cheaper one, if it doesn't have vibration feature, there's certain games you can't play then because they require it. Oh yeah. Huh? Even even Mario Odyssey has a part in it where you have to. You're basically using sonar to find like a buried moon, and it vibrates. When you get close to it, mm-hmm. so I don't know how that's gonna work. Yeah, because um, I doubt they're, you I even, doubt they're gonna go back to those games and then adjust them so they can. Right. So I think they would still have vibration, but you could make a switch without detachable Joy Cons and then save money. Right. You know, it it would have limited motion controls, but the motion controls are always not necessarily needed because not everybody likes motion. Yeah. So. Yeah, because I'm like I could do extra shit with motion controls in the Mario game, but I don't have to do it. Right. You know. So yeah, because this story always kind of seemed a little weird to me. Like, why would they be doing two versions of the same thing? Like, I maybe maybe it's like the the key thing that I took was the successor to the 3ds. So my thinking right. was well, maybe it's an expanded 3ds that probably looks a little bit like a Switch. Yeah, because they're not going to abandon the 3ds. It, the library is too big. Yeah. And it still sells. And the thing is, is yeah, the Switch is selling. The Switch is selling. Yeah, they could modify the the regular Switch to not be, you know, um, easily easily to to break or to crack or you know what have you, or maybe a little more durable for portability. But to have two of them doesn't really seem to make sense to me. And it's not like Nintendo, like I, you know, it's not like Nintendo has done this before. Nintendo's never made two of the same things before. No, not really. You know what they could do is they could just add a 3DS fucking uh, cartridge thing to the to the Switch <laughs> and then call it a fucking day. Yeah, true. You know? True. They could do that. But, but I mean, I've had my Switch for for like a month now, I think, and um, it's cool. I haven't really had time to play it. My son's been playing the fuck out of it, though. Um, <laughs> We're actually going to return Mario Odyssey because he wants to try Smash Brothers. Um, <laughs> but it's a cool little system, you know. Um, it, but like typical Nintendo, you get used, you have to get used to it first because it's never just pick up a controller and play. The, the controllers always work differently. So you have to kind of like, um, it's a great feature, but I had to figure it out. Like if I'm, if I'm playing a game one player and I have the two Joy-Cons, I have to drop out of the game and you can like press home and then it pauses the game and I have to go to like the controller button right? and I have to desync them and then resync them as individual controllers and then pass the other controller over to uh, whoever's going to play, right? you know, and, and, which is easy, yeah. you know, but at first you're kind of like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's always <laughs> a learning curve. There's always a learning curve. Right. Um, but it's a cool, I mean, the, it's a good system and I really don't see, it's a quick one too. It's it's honestly it's less laggy than fucking my Xbox One. Mm. The Xbox One is a lag. Like I don't know what it is. 
but just going around the menus and shit, it just takes a long time hmm. sometimes, you know? So I, I just like whatever. Um, but yeah, the switch has never slowed down on me. Actually, you know, now that you say that, that, that has happened to me when I use anything Microsoft related, like their controller or something like that. But I have a, um, a Logitech universal remote, which I have set up for my Xbox one. No lag. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So maybe it's just the control. Yeah. Well, I, Cause they use a weird like Wi-Fi direct or yeah, something like I have that. Their, I yeah. That controller, or I even had their little, um, handheld remote, same thing. But when I use the other, when I use the, um, the Logitech universal remote, no lag. So I don't know. That's weird. Well, if only games played that way. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So our main story this week is the plus as in Apple plus everything. Uh, this week, they held their live event that showcased some of their newest products that are coming at you. Late last year, we told you that sales of their mobile devices were slowing, and in their last earning call, they were no longer going to announce the number of iPhone, iPads, or other peripheral sales, since it's only a fraction of their new direction. Now, in order to maintain revenue, they would have to develop something more consistent with increasing and maintaining a revenue stream. Hence, all the paid services they announced at last week's event. So we are going to go through and discuss the new uh, consumer pr- subscription products. There's not a lot, and um, I don't really think it's going to take that much time. But um, so first up, <laughs> which turned out to be buggy as shit yeah. on, its, on its release, Apple News Plus. Uh, so basically, they have an Apple News app, but if you want to go ahead and upgrade to Apple News Plus... Uh, it's a magazine subscription service that will have well over 300 magazines in total and be available for a single $9.99 monthly fee. Now, to be honest, that's cheap for that many magazine subscriptions because, you know, you get one that's like, what, 10 bucks a year? So, yeah. you know, you can, you can get to that. The one cool thing that I liked about this is that the app also can be used on a shared plan for one price. So... You have a wife or kids all on the same plan. You can share it, and you just still pay the one the nine ninety nine monthly fee, which is nice. And also, uh, another benefit is the magazines won't be able to track what you read, because that's one of the big things that I've been noticing with Apple on this is that everything was all about the privacy. Uh, yeah, Apple's Apple's pretty big on privacy. Yeah, um, and I think a lot of it has. To, they always kind of have been. But I think they've been pushing it because Google isn't. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's kind of like their thing. Like they're like, we respect your privacy. We don't need to know what you're fucking reading. Right. You know, and truth be told, they fucking don't. No, they don't. And neither does Google. Google sells it to people that wants to know. Right. Like Google could give a fuck what you're doing on their, <laughs> on their apps half of the time. And, you know, so it's kind of weird. Yeah. One of the things, though, that when I said turned out to be glitchy as fuck, um, it was released the same day that this event happened, which was on Monday, right? Um, yeah. yeah. And uh, what was interesting about it is that uh, people were going on Twitter and um, and uh, saying that the Apple the the app opened and then would crash, or prevented them from when they would try to open a magazine, it would crash, or something along that line. So there was there was quite a few issues. Um, that came out on day one, and one of the re- and it's one of the reasons, I- which is a little strange for Apple. Yeah, and I always said never get it. To be honest, never get anything on day one. This one I thought was a little weird 
the Apple credit card. Um, yeah, that was out of left field a little bit. <laughs> just a little bit. Um, so Apple p- teamed up with Goldman Sachs to back a credit card that is basically a virtual credit card. And it's designed to go with Apple Pay and all that stuff. Uh, the difference is, is that not everybody takes Apple Pay, Apple Pay. So what they did was is they also are going to create a titanium, I think it was, physical card. Doesn't have a card number, doesn't have your CV, your CCV or CVV, whatever that three-digit PIN number is, expiration date, mm-hmm. nothing. Um, so you're able to use it in case they don't have a regular credit card. Um, they don't take Apple Pay. The only cool thing that I really thought about this is there are no fees, uh, not even international over-the-limit fees. The interest rates are quote-unquote low, though, um, but you get daily cash for, like, you, you get 2% back on items you bought. You know, it depends on how you buy them. You'll get certain um, certain percentage of cash back um, on these cards. Um, however, you don't even get late fees. Now, keep in mind, though, is that if you do miss a payment, additional interest would accumulate towards your balance. So you can still, you know, still a good idea to keep paying them. But one thing that right. I, one thing that I thought, yeah, I did think was really cool is you can pay how you want monthly, weekly, biweekly. I thought that was kind of cool. So, yeah, it just seems to be much more flexible. Yeah. Than most credit cards. Are. Um, however, people are skeptical, skeptical, skeptical <laughs> of uh, a credit card. There's a lot of people, why would you get a credit card from Apple? It's like, well, it's technically from Goldman Sachs. Right. You know, which is a pretty, you know, it's fucking Goldman Sachs. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, there, um, another thing, too, that, um, that I just, I remembered was you can track your purchases through the app on your phone. The thing is, is that all your, your information is locally, is local to your device, not to Apple service. So Apple won't even know what you bought on your credit card. Yeah. Which I thought was well, actually really good. Apple being super private again. Exactly. You want to see this? Well, you can't, bitch. <laughs> um, uh, Apple pay for public transit. I thought that was kind of cool. I think this is the coolest thing they fucking announced, to be honest. <laughs> um, I'm just going to read you this little segment that, that I had written on the site for this. And by the way, you can read up all of this on the website. Uh, Apple announced that Apple Pay will be coming to mass transit systems in major cities later this year. Portland, Chicago, and New York will be the first to support the pay payment service, which will allow passengers to quickly pay fares with their iPhone. Apple Pay for public transit isn't totally new, but it is new to the U.S. Subways and rails in London, Moscow, Tokyo, and Guzayu all support the ability to pay for fares with Apple Pay. Transit systems in Shanghai and Beijing will allow users to add their preloaded transit cards to Apple Pay with a service called Express Transit. It, it, It appears a... Similar functionality will be provided for riders in the U.S. metro systems. A number of cities in the U.S. have been gearing up for wireless payment now. New York announced in 2017 that it would be moving away from the metro cards in favor of tap-to-pay turnstiles. Likewise, Los uh, Los Angeles is working towards introducing Apple Pay support. 
Now, the city is Guangzhou. Guangzhou. Is that what it is? It's a, yeah, it's a very large city in China. With, with um, a very large word. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not spelled. It's sort of spelled like Guangzhou, but you don't want to say Guangzhou when you look at it. <laughs> um, uh, it's in a province named Guangzhou. Or no, it's in Guangdong. I looked it up real quick. Um, this is fucking awesome. I know. I knew London has had it for a while. Um, and I think it's just cool. It's convenient, especially for the college crowd. You know what I mean? You always got your phone with you. And, and as, as long as you have your phone, you're never, you know, you're not broke. Right. <laughs> you can, you can get on the public transit and maybe there'll be a way to, you know, or you, like you said, the, the way to add a, the preloaded transit card, stuff like that. So I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, even if you can get like, you know, oh, well your LA Metro, you can download the app and then add it through Apple pay. And then all you have to do is, right. you know. NFC your phone when you're walking through it'll be nice you know because it's yeah it's gonna be pretty slick yeah. um apple arcade probably their biggest one which actually was kind of interesting it comes out a couple of days after google's uh stadia um so they're doing the subscription service which is designed to be their you know netflix for games it'll let you pay a monthly rate to play games as many different participating games as you want and um and it sounds like it'll work with the iPod, um, iPhone, iPad, Mac, and Apple TV. And for when it starts, it's going to have 100 new and exclusive games that'll be included. And it'll be live in the App Store with its own dedicated tab rather than launching its own app, which is nice. This will, yeah. this will also work with family sharing. So if you have kids that want to play games, again, it's the, it's the one fee, which they didn't name, say yet. Uh, but it'll be the one fee and then everybody can, uh, can play. And it's the other thing that I noticed on here was once signed up, there are no ads and no additional purchases needed in any of these games. And, uh, so, and also to keep, you know, your kids from playing too much, there's also parental controls that you can set and stuff like that. And a lot, right. all these games will be available offline as well. So if you travel, you know, airplane mode and stuff like that, won't have to worry about it. I mean, it sounds cool, but what kind of games? You know what I mean? Like, right? Is it, it kind of feels like it's going to be mobile games? Because I'm looking at the um, the people they're with, and there's a couple of heavy hitters in there. But there's also you know, like Cartoon Network and <laughs> you know stuff like that right. who who are more known for mobile titles. Lego, um, Lego, yeah. I mean, Sega's in there. Sega could go both ways. They have plenty of fucking mo- mobile titles, yeah. though. Konami does too. So mm-hmm. you know. But and it, when it launches, it'll go in 150 markets, and but it won't be out until the fall. So we'll have to wait for pricing and other details and how that all will flesh out later on. Um, Apple TV channels. This one is something that a lot of people were trying to uh, figure out. This is part of their whole rebranding, which this. When you when you look at it, you're like, oh, that's cool. But at the same time, it's like, oh, wait, doesn't Amazon already kind of do this? Um and it does. <laughs> um, well, it's cool for someone who's in the Apple ecosystem. Right. So basically what it does is it's, it's supposed to allow um, a way for you to pick and choose your favorite networks and TV that you watch um, and everything that you watch in the TV apps. Now, the selection includes traditional channels like CBS and Comedy Central to premium channels like HBO and Showtime. But, the, and, but, the, uh, but one of the things is that... Uh, at, 
on the top of giving you on top of giving you a single spot to watch all your content, you'll also be able to download shows and movies to your device to watch online. Now, for the most part, Apple TV channel seems to be about organizing your streaming media instead of giving you truly something new. Apple is pitching it as an alternative to services like Sling, Sling TV or PlayStation View, which offer channel TV channels in bundles. But offering an a la carte alternative, it could save some viewers money. But of course, that participating networks also have to own an Apple TV apps by um, but jumping in between isn't exactly seamless as yeah. you know, because you still have to back out of the app, go into a new one. It's not kind of like like the cable of TV, as I think is what some people are like thinking about it as. Um, I think that's what the, you've seen. We've seen a lot of services like this kind of try because that people are having issues now where you have all these, all there's too much to watch for one. Right. No, no one human being can watch everything that's on right now. Um, but then you have it over. Like I watch doom patrol on DC universe. I watch star Trek on CBS streaming. I watch Orville on Hulu. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, it gets confusing. It gets confusing for some people, especially people who are watching a lot of shit. Yeah. Well, like, yeah, for me, I have, you know, Spectrum TV bundled. So I have very basic cable on that, but it's like, oh, well, I missed, and I don't, we don't have DV, it doesn't offer DVR. So it's like, oh, I missed Orville. Oh, I'll catch it on Hulu. Oh, you know, I want to catch, I want to watch this movie over on Netflix. Oh, I want to, you know, flipping back and forth. It's still a bit. So, We'll have it's to, a pain in the ass, really. Yeah, it is. But um, yeah, if somebody can come along a way and say, hey, we'll take all the streaming services that you have and then just throw it up like a cable channel, you know, like your, you know, like DirecTV or, you know, like your guide on, you can see, that'll be a little easier. And then just, you know, go into the app that way. But you still have to go in, select, pull, <laughs> pull out, um, you mm-hmm. know, so there's that. Now, and again, on this, on this one, there is uh, no off, no details about pricing, you know, or how it's going to work. So we'll have to wait until probably fall for that. But the biggest thing that came out was Apple TV Plus. Um, and this one, the internet's been talking about for well over a year. It's probably the worst kept secret up yeah. about producing exclusive content to rival Netflix and Hulu and Amazon. Um it was funny too because a lot of people were like, "Oh, okay, this is cool." But then at the same time, there were a lot of articles that I was reading as, "Yeah, Steven Spielberg, Octavia Spencer, Ron Howard, yeah, big names are cool, but the content better be good because <laughs> <laughs> then you ain't going to check it out." And so that's what Apple TV Plus is—an ad-free subscription home. So they don't do the same thing that other channels do. It's like, "Oh, you can get the low tier for commercials, or you get the higher tier." No, it's just you're going to pay one price and you're going to get no commercials. Um, is a whole collection of shows and movies um, that will be curated by Apple, produced by Apple in conjunction with, you know, like all these other shows. But at the live event, they had a video featuring people like J.J. Abrams and Steven Spielberg and Juan Howard and Octavia Spencer, Steve Carell, Jennifer Aniston, you know, all these people talking about, you know, their new, you know, you know what these things can can offer can offer now there have been reports that apple is steering clear of content that may be considered too suggestive or uh, controversial and that they're making kind of vanilla 
in a lot of instances. They're trying to make like a family. Yeah, which yeah. could be a very big problem because if you look at some of the most popular shows on streaming services, they're not family-oriented content. You know. Yeah, now nowadays shows have to have a certain level of shock for the majority of people to watch yeah. them or something gritty or something something that they can't, they can't see on regular television. Right. You know, something maybe they would see on HBO, but even HBO sometimes, you know, they they want to they want maybe something that we see like with Doom Patrol or Narcos or, you know, The Handmaid's Tale, all these different shows that are able to kind of stretch it a little bit and have full control over what they what they show. Um so the Apple TV subscription service with no commercials will launch in over 100 countries in the fall, full of original content with big names in entertainment. Whenever it launches, all of the new TVs with support for AirPlay will be able to stream its videos, and once they have an Apple TV app, it'll be home to the service. The new channels and all of your purchased videos from iTunes. So one thing I thought was actually kind of interesting about this is that the Apple TV app is obviously coming to Apple TVs, but they are starting with, they are going to provide an app on Samsung, Vizio, and some other big name televisions to provide that app for you, which I thought that's actually kind of cool because you very seldom ever got that. Like Apple never really ventured far beyond an Apple TV you know, box to get that. Yeah. So this is going to be interesting. Again, no price yet, but we'll definitely have to see how this works out. It'd be cool if these things had year, yearly. Like I get annoyed when like a, a service doesn't have a yearly price. <laughs> right. Cause like there's too many things that you have to pay for, for a year. And it's funny cause most of my, I'm not on any of the yearlies for my new latest stuff. <laughs> But I know it's there, and when I have the money, I'm going to pay for it. Yeah, I've thought that too. Like, I would like to be able to have a yearly re- um, a yearly payment thing for, um, like Netflix and you know Hulu, and, right. you know, and, and stuff like. Just not have to fucking worry about it. Yeah, because it's like going, oh, cool, I got this 120 bucks for the year. Fine, here, 120 bucks. I'm done, and not worry about it. You know, and it's one, you know, it's, and some people will be like, yeah, but that's 120. Yeah, but it's also 10 bucks a month that I don't have to worry about. <laughs> yeah, even if, even if we don't, don't even have to give me a discount. Just let me pay for it up front. Yeah. You know, no, they don't want to do that. No, because they bitches. Yeah. That's what it is. You know why? Because they're in fucking cahoots with the banks for these overdraft charges. <laughs> that's what it is. It's a big fucking conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> Funny that she bring up a conspiracy because uh, finally tonight, <laughs> after years of stating the mass shooting at Sandy Hook Elementary School in Newtown, Connecticut was staged, InfoWars founder Alex Jones was sued by parents for vi- of victims. Well, the shooting, which took place in December 2012, claimed the lives of 20 children between the ages of six and seven, as well as six adult staff members. But for years, Jones went on his program to spread conspiracy theories that no child had died. And the school, uh, whoops, that jumped the hell, um, at the, 
Wow, that jumped really far. Okay, oh, there it is. Uh, and the school had been empty for years and was used as a false flag and that the parents and children were all actors. Now, he claimed that his claims led to years of harassment for families and other survivors, including the death, including death threats from fans of Jones's show. But in his deposition for the lawsuit filed by several parents, Jones, and this is where he's a bigger piece of shit than you ever thought, blames a sort of psychosis for his years of false statements that included airing the addresses of at least one parent. The, oh, now he's, he's basically doing an insanity plea. Yeah, the, the, yeah the, basically wow. the, 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 their, that version of an insanity plea. The lawyer of the plaintiff, Mark Banks, uh, Bankston, asked, Okay, Mr. Jones, you would agree with me that when some damage happens, when you break something, when you cause something to be lost, when you hurt someone, somebody, whether it's intentional or whether it's a mistake, there are consequences for that, right? People should be accountable for people they hurt. That's right. Jones replied, well, sometimes people claim they have been hurt when they, when they haven't been. So you have to look at the agenda behind things. And I, and, um, and I myself have almost had like a form of psychosis back in the past where I basically thought everything was staged, even though I am now learning a lot of things aren't staged. Uh, so I think as a pundit, someone giving an opinion that, you know, my opinions have been wrong, but they were never wrong, wrong consciously to hurt people. Bangston, you said false things about Sandy Hook because it was psych- uh, because it was psychosis. Jones, well, I'm just saying that the trauma of the media and the corporations lying so much, then everything begins. You don't trust anything anymore. Kind of like a child whose parents lie to them over and over again. Well, pretty soon, they don't know what, what reality is. Now, after years of targeting her, targeted harassments and failures to take responsibility for his actions, no one, no one was buying Jones's excuse. Shortly after the suicide of Sandy Hook parent Jeremy Rickman this month, Jones floated conspiracy theories again. Jones speculated about the 49-year-old man's death, Media Matters reported. Infowars pushed the idea that Rickman's death was suspiciously timed and intended to distract from the end of the end of special counsel Robert Mueller's report. Quote, we have no idea whether he was murdered at this point. We would, why would some anti-gun guy do this? This is really sad. My prayers go out to him and his family, and we wish that for the truth of whatever really happened here to come out. We don't know yet. We'll see the corporate media say outrageous lies, but it w- um, but it's what they do. And look, the good news, and, and look, the good news of no collusion, the good news that I'm not a Russian agent comes out, and now this happens right on time. Just amazing, Jones said. People are not surprised Jones, Jones has attempted to absolve himself of any culpability. And just basically makes everybody realize he's a bigger piece of shit than I'll say, I'll say like, I believe him, (laughs) but let me, let me explain. I believe that what he says when he said the media got him all riled up and he thought everything was staged. However, that's not a psychosis. You just bought into the hype and you fought for the wrong fucking team. The only differences between him and the other whack jobs that do it is he had a bit of a voice and a bit of influence on people. So 
the caveat is that even though, yeah, okay, fine. The media fucked with you and you started believing all this outlandish shit. It's still your fault. Yeah. You're the, you're the one that decided to be uneducated. You're the one that decided to only listen to, to the sensational and not listen to anything else. So you still get consequences for your fucking action. True. Unless you can prove you are clinically insane. <laughs> and then the- a doctor needs to come and verify that. Right. But that's not what happened. You know, so just that's the new thing, though, isn't it? Is that, oh, I made a mistake and did something shitty. So I shouldn't be blamed for it. Right, because it was something else. I was like, no, you did something that was fucking shitty. So, yes, you were blamed for it. What's funny? Like, that's. Uh. What's funny is that you'll get a bunch of conservatives that'll say, oh, liberal bleeding hearts that they, you know, oh, I had a bad childhood, so I can't be held responsible for this. But yet when they get caught up in the same stuff, oh, well, I have a psychosis. You know, it's like, shut the fuck up. You know, it's like, it's, uh, um, there is something I'm going to try to get the the audio for it so we can play it on next week's show. Um, He was basically shouted out of a, of a chicken restaurant. He couldn't eat his fried chicken because people kept shouting at him and tormenting him. And then he, he had a, a rant in the middle of the restaurant saying that he was, he was a victim of the media and people don't know why they're shouting at him and stuff like that. I was like, I was like, I was like, Oh, poor baby. Maybe now you know how those people that get death threats when their kids died feel, you know? Right. Like, and I, why is he a victim of the media? He is the media. Yeah. Oh, I know. That's, that's another thing that I, that always bugs me when you hear Fox news going, well, you know, the people in the mainstream media, when you're number one, you're the mainstream. Right. You can't be number one and, and be an outsider. It's a, you know what it is? It's like, um, it's like in rap, right? You have someone who's an underground rapper and then they get super popular and they're still like, yeah, we in the underground. No, <laughs> homie, you're not in the fucking underground anymore. When you're on the ra- you when know? you're on the top 40 radio, you're not underground. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> I know. Alex, and, and, and let me clarify. Alex Jones is not a journalist, but he is in the media. It's an opinion-based, right. um, inspired by the news <laughs> nonsense. He's a pundit, basically. Right. You know, like we would be... Co- Editorial piece. Exactly. We shit. would be considered pundits. Right. Yeah. Because... Like, I'm not... I don't have any... Steve and I don't have this, like, that journalist um, responsibility to give you we, unbiased information. Exactly. And that's what you don't tune in for. That's what you tune in. You don't tune in to hear us giving, you know... Um, you know, our journalistic, you know, we don't have any journalistic qualifications, you know, insight, integrity, you know, we don't have any of that. So, <laughs> <laughs> right. Even though we are a hundred percent correct right. <laughs> about everything, but, <laughs> you know, you know, but yeah. Fuck Alex Jones. I mean, if the world doesn't know he's a piece of shit by now, you know, yeah. Fuck him. Exactly. He's a, he's a snake oil salesman. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's he found some, some what he does is not new and it's not uncommon, especially nowadays. You find a sensational thing where people are going to get fearful. They're going to get afraid. When people are afraid, they pay more attention to it. Well, it's like when... And he just riled everybody yeah. up. Well, you know, like everybody goes, oh my God, he says all these foul things and all these things. You know, he's not the first one. Anybody remember Howard Stern? Everybody used I'll to just so say that by because him. He's, because he says all these shocking things. That's what it is. It's a shock jock. I was just about to say 
that he's like a negative Howard Stern because Howard yeah. Stern was just trying to entertain people, you know, but yeah. you get the same effect where even the people that don't like him are wanting to know what he's going to say. Yeah. So even they're giving him attention and giving him ratings and stuff like that. Same thing with Howard Stern. I, I would say Alex Jones on a lesser degree because most people who don't agree with Alex Jones are like, I right, fuck this asshole. And you kind of move <laughs> on. Right. You know, but fuck Alex Jones, man. Yeah. We talk about Alex Jones all the time. Oh, yeah. And usually, you it know. usually ends with fuck this guy. <laughs> yeah, fuck him. And then we'll talk about him the next time. Exactly. Because fuck this guy. <laughs> yeah. All right. So that is our episode for this week. So thank you guys for joining us. If you want to help us out, there are two ways you can. One, you can leave a review wherever you get the show. Uh, get it on iTunes. Get you do that, even though we're you know we're we've been on as long as we have. It still helps us out. Gets us um, gets us gets us noticed. Um, and recommend the show to your friends. Two, if you really want to help us out, you can donate. You can head it over to lazygeese.com and click on the donate button. It'll help keep the show going, you know, buy extra stuff that we need to, to do this, to produce extra content, stuff like that, because it all costs money, folks. Um, so, yeah, so go ahead and do that. You can follow us on facebook.com slash thelazygeeks. Over on Twitter and Instagram, the same, it's at lazygeeks. Uh, and you can send us feedback, comments, suggestions for episodes, or your favorite conspiracy theories, because we're trying to fight against Alex Jones. <laughs> the geeks at thelazygeeks.com. That's right. We're doing the Lord's work here, people. That's right. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> All right. So if you want more content from us, just head over to the blog, thelazygeeks.com. Thanks for checking us out. So until next time, live large. If you ain't living large, you ain't living at all. Mm-hmm.